0: Turning your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So, how do we live in this world? Uh, how do we live as new people? Uh, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of us having a relationship with the father through the son how is life different Uh, last week we looked at a passage that speaks of heroic suffering this idea that we keep going that we keep going in spite of the afflictions and sufferings in this life and in spite of even persecutions at time at times how do we keep going This morning, we're going to continue in this theme uh, as we look at 2 Thessalonians, and uh, I want to start reading for you this morning in verse 5. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you verses 5 through 10. God's Word says this, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, uh, that you may be considered worthy of of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers uh, considers it just to replay, repay with affliction those who have afflicted you and to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His might. When He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to marvel at among all who believed, because our testimony to you was believed. God, we ask for your blessing on your word. Help us to uh, cling to it, the promises found in it, the assurance of what is to come next. And may we live in light of it, uh, Lord, knowing that this life is not all there is. God, thank you for each one here today. We ask that you would change our hearts in Jesus' name. You may be seated. If you were here, uh, we realized that in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, two books that are probably very close together in uh, not just proximity in the Bible, but in time frame, maybe as little as like three months in between the writings of them. And uh, this new church had suffered in the terms that the descriptions, even in the previous passage, of heroic sufferings. And I... Uh, You get that term. It's real simple. It's that sufferings, the enemy wants to use sufferings to cause us to quit or to turn away. And when we uh, are faced with sufferings, afflictions, persecutions, when we say, I will continue to walk with Jesus, the enemy is defeated and the Lord continues to be honored and glorified in their lives. That's not easy. That's not easy. And it wasn't easy uh, for these new believers in Thessalonica. I, I assure you that just knowing human nature, that they woke up some days and they said, what did we get ourselves into? Wouldn't it just be easier to quit? Wouldn't it just be easier to go back and to do what everyone else does? To live how everyone else lives, and maybe some of you this morning um, have thought that, and even more, uh, maybe even today you're in the midst of thinking that. You're you're struggling with those thoughts in your mind. You say, if if this can happen in this life, maybe it's not worth it to follow after Jesus. There's encouragement in suffering today. There's encouragement in the difficulties of life, and. I'll just tell you, I'll give you the answer, okay? It won't last forever. It won't last forever. The afflictions and sufferings and persecutions of life, it won't last forever. Uh, My title of the message this morning is Comfort, Compassion, and Judgment uh, from Jesus. That there's, uh, that there's, there's comfort, there's comfort in this life. There's also compassion for those who are lost compassion. But there's also judgment. And uh, I want to share with you from God's Word so we can hear clearly as God wants us to what He has to say in the midst of this life. In verse 5, it starts out, this is evidence of righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also are suffering. In some ways, that's an awkward translation for us in English. You realize that the Bible was not written in English. Um, there's probably some reasons why, but, um, you know, would it be Southern California English? Would it be uh, like English in the South, which really isn't English at all? Uh, a lot of apostrophes and stuff like that. Um we speak differently, and it, that's not the reason why I was just making a joke, but uh, uh, it was written, the New Testament was written in Greek. The passage we're looking at this morning is written in Greek, and as we consider this, we, we try to understand what it meant in the original language, and this idea of this evidence of the righteous judgment of God. The evidence uh, probably connects to the previous passage, which talks about suffering, and The idea of the judgment of God being in the future, in the future, that it's coming. Uh, The evidence being that all things aren't right today, that there's still suffering, there's still afflictions, there's still persecutions. Um, If God had already judged and already made things right, and there are still suffering, persecution, and affliction, we go, why didn't God fix those? Why didn't, those, why didn't God fix those for me, his child? Maybe some of you have struggled with that. You've said, I've trusted in Christ. Why didn't he make all things right in my life? I, I want to tell you the, the answer to that is this. It's, it's in the future. It's in his time. And it's part of his plan. And for now, for now, this life is filled with affliction with persecutions with all kinds of different suffering both for the believer and the unbeliever but for the believer with Jesus and so he says this is the evidence that it's it's in the future as you see this suffering in your life it's evidence that the righteous judgment of God is coming it it hasn't already come one of the the things that both the church at Thessalonica they heard of the the coming of the lord and some had said to them, oh, he's already come and you missed him. Or uh, the idea that he's coming and you don't need to do anything. And so they were they were struggling with when is the Lord going to come? And maybe some of us are struggling. When is the Lord going to come? Uh, I, I love that anticipation where some of you are talking about it all the time and you're wondering if it's going to happen this week or this day or this month or in your lifetime. That's a wonderful hope and expectation because it causes it instructs us on how to live today as we look at this the righteous judgment of god and he says this that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of god that this suffering has uh has a purpose in your life be careful um Their salvation and your salvation is solely based on the grace of God. Um, At that point in time, you would have never chosen Jesus. You would have never chosen him. In fact, you chose a bunch of other things before you chose Jesus. And you flailed around in life and you chose different idols to chase after. And you know what happened? Jesus entered your life and he drew you to himself. He called you to himself. By His grace, we were dead in our sins and He made us alive. Alive with Christ. That's what it says in the book of Ephesians. As we look at that, uh, we see in this passage that there's a sense of worthy for His kingdom. And like I said, this is awkward in the English, but uh, it's it's this same grace of the gospel that caused us to come to Him is now the grace that is at work in us as we suffer, as we face afflictions, as we face persecutions and discouragements of this life. That same grace is now working in us to get through that day, to take those steps, to progress in, in faith and and not quit as the enemy desires for us. And this grace um, is. Making us and this idea of considered worthy is the idea that the suffering itself shows us to be genuine. The suffering itself, the the difficulties of life are are connected with the worth of the gospel or the worth of the kingdom. We, we do this all the time. We make transactions all the time. When you buy something at the store... You're saying, I will give you my $10 for whatever you're handing me. And we consider it worth. You know, we, we buy things and we we purchase them of our free will. We say, we want to pay this for that because we find it more valuable to have that possession. And in a much greater way, a much greater uh, transaction that every time we walk in faith, every time we don't quit when we suffer, every time we face the challenges of life, we're saying it's worth more, the gospel. It's worth, it's greater for me to know him. And know him more, as we have sung, right? This idea that we continue on, not in our own strength, we, we would fail. But as God has changed us, he, can, he gives us the strength to walk with him through the trials of life. And he connects this in this passage to the worth of his kingdom. And this for them was what they were suffering right now. When they got it, they go, "Oh yeah. This is why we're going through this. This is why it's happening and we look for something in the future." So, my first point this morning is a worthy life. A worthy life. We we move on to verse 6. Uh, the God, a God of justice, a God of justice. And and we struggle with this term justice. We, you know, in America, we're always wanting justice. And and I think that's not just part of a heart of an American uh, from the United States. Uh, It's not just in our hearts, but it's in the heart of a human. One that has been created by God. There's this sense of right and wrong, of justice. And, and we want justice, and we seek it, and we fight for it sometimes. And yet, as we're going to see, uh, justice will not come. It will not come until the Lord comes. Verse 6, it says, since, God, uh, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who have afflicted you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. Know this, when you're afflicted, when things aren't right, uh, remember, maybe you weren't here last week, the word affliction and persecution are kind of put side by side. Afflictions are just normal things that don't work out in life for you, things that uh, happen that uh, are frustrating and they're not connected so much to your faith like somebody didn't do it to you, but it's the pains of life, it's health issues, it's money issues, it's uh, the idea that things fall apart in your midst and there's a, a difficult road that, that no one's putting obstacles in front of you. It's just happening, afflictions. But persecutions, or persecutions are when people see you as gods, that they per- purposely target you to bring pain to your life. And I want to say that both those are included, that God will take care of both of those. If, if you look at this passage, this God of justice says this that he can, he, it'll be just for him to repay with afflictions those who have re- afflicted you. Um, it's just, it's right that God will come, and, and part of his end time plan in his son Jesus is to make things right. He will do it. Um, Some of us struggle with this idea of justice, and we think that we are going to somehow make things just here on this earth. I want to tell you, there will not be justice till the Lord Jesus comes. But there's a promise to that as well, that when He comes, it will be made just. For the believer, uh, when we find things not to be right in our lives when we say there's not justice, things didn't happen right for me, I'm struggling, I'm in pain, we should not say that God is wrong today, but we should say this, I trust in His promises that one day He will make things right. He will make things just. And He connects this personally too. He says, for those of you who are afflicted, those who afflict you will be brought to justice. I think uh, one of the most frustrating uh, worlds to live in, in this time right now, is to be somehow connected to the criminal system, you know, the justice system, because it's not always just. People who do the crime don't always pay. The the one who's caught red-handed and put in cuffs and taken to jail and then to trial don't always serve their time. In fact, very rarely they do. And, and it's wrong, and we look at it, and we can see it, and we say, it's wrong, it's not just. Don't worry. Do not worry. The Lord Himself will come, and He will bring justice. And for those who are afflicted, uh, He will, the ones that have afflicted, that those ones who have been the ones to bring about pain in the life of a believer especially, this God of justice will repay, will repay. And be careful um, in our uh, can't say anything wrong about anybody world today. Um, I, I want to tell you, that's true for me. I, I shouldn't judge anybody. I shouldn't be the one to point the finger. I shouldn't be the judge, jury, and you know executioner. Because I can get it wrong. Like there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that I get wrong and I can't see very well. And I can uh, look at people and think I, I know what's going on. But know this. The Lord Jesus will not see it wrong. He will not see it wrong. And He is the judge. And it's by His authority. By His authority. And it's His right and, and part of the purpose of His plan is to bring about justice, and it will be good. Justice, he will repay. And then in verse 7, and for the believer who's struggling today, he says, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted. Relief. I think uh, one of the things I see in life over and over again is it lasts too long, right? Right? And when I say it lasts too long, I'm not just saying that the years are too many. Some of you would say that as well, right? The years are too many. But what I'm saying is that uh, we like, one of the great Psalms that I I go to often is Psalm 13, where the psalmist says, how long, O Lord? I think he says three, four, five times. How long, O Lord? And that's that's our feeling, isn't it? Uh, When can I go to bed? The time to go to bed. I've messed up so many things in this day, and I just want to go to bed. Things have been too much. And, and then you wake up the next morning, and those things are still there, right? And you wake up saying, How long, O oh Lord? How long? It might be uh, the persecutors who are, are, are dogging your feet every move, every step of the way. How long, O oh Lord? But it might just be the things that you're struggling with in your own heart. How long, O oh Lord? How long? And I want to tell you, for you who are asking the question, how long? This morning, I want to tell you that the one who is going to come, it will not last forever. He will come, and when he uh, comes, there will be relief. He will grant it to you. The afflictions of this life will not go on forever. So we see a God of justice in verse 6. And now we move on uh, in the middle of verse 7, and we want to say this. It's according to his time. It's according to his time. I, I think uh, some of you love to have a watch. How many of you are wearing watches this morning? Some of you, it's just a fashion statement. Others of you are uptight. Um, and you're, uh, you're always saying, we got to go. we got to make it on time. If we're 15 minutes early, we're almost late. Uh, uh, you're an odd breed in our world today. Um, but uh, uh, some of you look at, and, and you want to say things are happening at 9 o'clock. You want to say that uh, I know what's going to happen on the 15th of December. I know what's going to happen. I've made a plan. I've got a schedule, and this is what's going to happen. Unfortunately, when it comes to the things of the Lord, He's not working on your watch. He, he doesn't say, hey, what time is it? I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be right now. He doesn't say, show me your calendar and I'll, I'll fit into the dates and things. That he, He's not saying that. It's according to his time. And I want to encourage you, if you, um, if you struggle with these things, if you just walk with God and when things come up to say, I'll follow your time plan. I'll go with your plan. I'll go with your schedule and your calendar. It says in the middle of verse 7, it says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That first point in there in verse middle of verse 7, it says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed, He doesn't tell us when. In fact, part of what the book of 2 Thessalonians, He's going to give us more information on this day, on what it's going to be about, but He doesn't tell us when. But He says, when it happens, when the Lord Jesus is revealed, and uh, that the Lord Jesus being revealed, it's like the unveiling of the judge. It's that He's Known to be there, but it's a, a picture of him kind of coming outside the veil, coming out of the time where he is going to go about this judgment. When that happens, when that happens, he gives us a few details of what it's going to ha- what's going to happen. First of all, that it's happening, I think that's important for us to know. Uh, people talk about history, and one of the things they they talk about in history all the time they say. Oh, history goes in cycles. It goes in cycles. And there is some truth to that, right? You look at the book of Judges, right? <laughs> cycles of sin, right? Same sins over and over and over again. And there's some commonality to you know, kingdoms rise and fall, and this and that. And uh the only thing that I want to tell you about that is that uh when you look at that and think you know, um, you're kind of like the weatherman, right? We've seen this before, so it's going to snow a lot. And then it snows in Lancaster and we get an inch here something like that. And you go, what happened? They were just wrong. They didn't know what they were looking at. I want to tell you, as things go on, this day that is spoken of, the reason he's speaking of it is because it's going to be something totally different and to bring conclusion to the plan of the Lord. So it says that the the judge will be unveiled the the one that will come in verse 7 uh, uh he says that he will be revealed from heaven he's coming down from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire uh his mighty angels uh underlining that so so the angels are just his servants his servants and and focusing on the might of the angels, it's not on their might; it's God's might that He's made them. And 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 so now they're going to go do His will. Um, the other thing it says in flaming fire—I don't believe this is the destruction fire as much as the power. Uh, you look at Isaiah 66 as well as Revelation chapter one, a couple of places that speak of the Lord's return. And, and it acknowledges that fire and the power of fire. And so as we look at this, we realize the Lord is to be revealed. Um, as he comes, he comes for a purpose. And, and really, there's two purposes. And what's in focus now is his judgment. It says this in verse 8, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Um, you look at this, and uh, some have asked me at time to time, Are you one of those hellfire and brimstone type preachers? And I'd say when we get there, uh, when the passage shows it to be true. Um, There's some passages that speak of his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his compassion and his patience. There are other passages that speak of his judgment. This passage right here that I just read to you speaks of his judgment, that he is going to personally bring about the judgment with his angels. They are going to bring about judgment on a particular group of people, which he acknowledges Very clearly as well. I want to tell you that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you escape this judgment. You escape it. It's not that you're not deserving of it, because you are. As am I. As was my mom. Okay? I know you're not supposed to say things like that about your mom. She was a grandma. But she's deserving of judgment. As am I as each one of us here, deserving of judgment. But if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you escape that judgment. But it says this, this judgment that is to come is for those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel. I don't know if that stands out to you as, you as I read this to you, but um, when we think of the, the judgment of God, the, Him inflicting this vengeance upon a, a particular group of people, I think most of us would say, well, of course God's going to judge the bad people. Of course He is. You know, uh, when, when we, we have a great um, backdrop here in Tehachapi, especially Bear Valley, right? The prison, the people who are bad in prison, those are the ones that he'll inflict punishment. But that's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says, those who do not know God. How do we know God? Believe in the Lord Jesus, the one who came to stand in the way uh, or to, to close that gap between us, to be the, the righteousness that we could not be, to, to cleanse the sinner from their sins, that they might be holy as the Father. That, that's the only way, that's the only way to know God. And apart from which, they become the objects of his vengeance and wrath. They don't, do not know God. The second point, and, and these aren't uh, one class and another class, they're really overlapping classes that, that tend to be probably both do not obey the gospel the gospel is a message that requires a response the gospel says you're a sinner in need of a savior and there's only one savior his name is Jesus he went to the cross to be the Christ Messiah to be the savior of all who would trust in him and to obey the gospel is to entrust him with your life and to walk in that moment in time, that gospel, that that new life, to walk in that, uh, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. Not uh, that we are without sin, but that we are saved from those sins by the only Savior. He says, apart from this, uh, these are the ones that are going to... Receive the judgment, the, the wrath, the, um, as this passage says, the ones who will uh, feel or be inflicted upon the vengeance of our God. I want to stop here and, and go back uh, to my title. And I, I want to say right now, guard your hearts to be compassionate to those who are lost. Um, you say you could easily say, "Well, this life has been hard for me. People have been unkind to me because of the gospel." Um, I, you know, they're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs. This is what this passage teaches, and I want to tell you, it does teach that. But for us at this moment in time, while the gates are still open, to be compassionate to the lost. I want to tell you, some of you been just a short while since you've known the Savior. That you've transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From being dead in your sins to being alive in Christ. It's only been a short time. And you don't know what the Lord's going to do. You don't know what's going on. And so until He takes us home, until this day that's spoken of, we are looking at the lost. We are looking for opportunity. We are extending the hand of the gospel to them, realizing that they could be changed just as we have been changed and so that they could escape this, uh, this awful um, end of the, the Lord himself being the one to bring about this vengeance, of his own vengeance, his righteous judgment to them. But that's according to his time. Which brings us to verse 9, the eternal consequences, with eternal consequences. Verse 9 says this, they, they will suffer uh, the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His might, when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who believed. Um. This this next section that I just read, uh, it switches um, and really speaks in the negative, but you, you see the riches of the gospel in this. It, it describes the one without Jesus, and it says, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Eternal destruction is the opposite of eternal life. Uh same length, though, same length. Uh, there, there's this eternality to this destruction. And, and some have struggled with this idea that, um, you, you know, when, when we have capital punishment in this life, that, you know, someone is hanged or they, they're shot or or they are, you know, lethal injection. It's just for a moment, and then it's over. It's over. And that's not what the Bible describes as the punishment uh, that the Lord will bring. In fact, in this passage, the the usage of these words make a point to circle that, that this will not be for a moment, but that this will be eternal destruction. Not just a moment in time, but that which will go on forever. And he shares and maybe s- summarizes that this punishment will be Uh, one of eternal consequences but that which the one who does not know God misses out on is that which we glory in listen to this for the believer what do they have that the unbeliever does not it's not just that they will not suffer punishment but they will escape eternal destruction but this is true for the believer in the middle of verse 9, it says, Away from the presence of the Lord. For the believer, they are with the Lord. They're in His presence forever. For the believer, it goes on to say, the glory of His might, that, that, that we will experience that. That, that those things, the, the glories of, of His power and what He has done, we will now experience those in a full way. And it says that uh, uh, in verse 10, and this is hard for me to imagine, it says, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. What you're picturing here is this, and this is what I want to describe to you, is there's a sense here on this earth right now that we are a billboard for the grace of the gospel. We are an advertisement for what God can do. He can take that and make it his own, redeem it for his own. And, and sometimes we go, well, I'm not really all that good to be on a billboard. That's true. That's true. Uh, billboard, you know, they make your head be from this big to huge. You know, they would be, oh, uh, and it's a billboard. And, and you say, well, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. I want to tell you that what this passage describes is in that time where he comes, he will take his own and what? He will be glorified in them, and we will be forever, forever. Our glorified bodies, our perfected souls will now stand as a magnificent uh, piece that shows the goodness of our God forever. Hard to imagine, right? As an as a amazing painter paints a picture, and one looks at the, the picture and, oh, I didn't do it. Uh, we're fine. Uh, and, and as a, a painter paints a picture, and it's amazing, and people go and, in the Getty and various other places, and they, they stand there and they go, wow. And, and when they look at that, they realize it's magnificent, but they also realize there's one who painted that who was magnificent. And so in us, in our glorified bodies, in our perfected souls, forever in eternity, guess what will be true of us? That we will be a a representation of the kindness and goodness of our Lord forever. Because He will be glorified in us. He chooses not to just glorify us, but to be glorified in us. That we would be the object of His Uh, really to display His glory in all eternity. This passage speaks of that day, that day. Um, This is part of what's going to happen on that day, part of what's going to happen. And as we move on in the book of 2 Thessalonians, we'll get more picture of what this day will be all about. Uh, I have three takeaways for you this morning as we conclude our time in God's word for today. The first one, I mentioned it already, is the Lord's justice is not today. It's not today. Don't get all bent out of shape. Bad stuff happens to you. When you see injustice, you know, don't be surprised. Just know this. It's not today. It's not today. And that's why you're seeing it. That's why the world maybe doesn't make sense to you today. Secondly, I want to say this. His justice is just. His justice is just. Uh, You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Uh, Some of you uh, always want to take people to task, and you want to get your pound of flesh, and Sometimes it's for yourself. Sometimes it's for others. I want to tell you, His justice will be perfectly just. You can trust Him. And lastly, I would say this. uh, The end, the end will justify the pain. The end will justify the pain. Uh, I purposely didn't say the end would justify the means. The end will justify the pain. Anything that you... Uh, struggle with in this life. Any sickness, any family squabbles, any any hurt that has happened to you, anything that you've gone through in this life, I'll, I just want to tell you, and, and the Lord wants to communicate, I got it, I got it. The end will justify the pain. Please join with me. In prayer. And God, I ask that you Continue to do your work in us as we mold this over, these words that I've gotten to speak that are yours. Uh, God, I ask that if there are any here today who haven't trusted in you, uh, I pray that you would draw them to yourself even now. Um, Lord, we realize that uh, this life is hard and confusing and we don't understand many things. Uh, may those things that we don't understand hang us up uh, from coming in of faith to you. God, thank you for uh, the confidence that we have in your plan being worked out. God, I pray that we would not trust in our own plan or look to men uh, who think they know what's going to happen next, that we would trust in you. Thank you for the comfort of your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.